Turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 2. And I want to take right up without introduction to where we were an hour ago as we ended our first assembly. Our example man says to his bride, I am very forgiving. Jesus tells us here in Colossians 2.13, I have already forgiven you even for the future. Colossians 2.13, And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. All of them, past, present, and future. The Lord Jesus Christ forgiving. He is the epitome of forgiveness in our Savior. The man we would hope might say to his wife, I will give you the rest of my life when I'm not attending to my business. Jesus tells us, I will give you myself for eternity. We are heirs of God and joint heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 8 and verse 17. And I ask you again to realize and to choose by faith to believe by the blessing of God's Spirit that there is the man Christ Jesus sitting at the right hand of God, also in our midst by His Spirit, speaking these things to you because He has written them in the Bible and that you should believe them very personally and very powerfully as from Him to you. I know that each one of us, when we were in grade school and middle school and junior high and high school and even beyond that to our shame when one of the opposite sex would say something or write something to us that was a little flattering or had some praise or some affection it would move us what does the word of God do to you come over to Philippians chapter 2 it's just a few pages to the left I want to ask you that question again in light of scripture The first time someone from the opposite sex tells you they love you. Have you ever heard the expression or have you ever felt the feelings of your stomach turning? Or some little girl looked at you from across the fourth grade classroom and just the little smile on her face lit up your whole life. You know, you should laugh at me and I should be laughing myself. These are all true events, aren't they, to all of us? And yet, here's the Lord. He's written us a love letter that's a library. It's a love library. It's 66 books long and has two testaments and 1,189 chapters and 31,101 verses. And it's all about His love for us. I thank you for the kind words you had about Psalm 139 earlier today. And I hope that everything that we consider in the few minutes we have left today will provoke you to appreciate the love of Christ. It is It is a shame that a look from another sinner, another little sinner who is destined to die and who is under the condemnation of God would so move our bowels and light up our heart that it would pitter-patter and our pulse would race. Do you remember in the fourth grade when that little girl looked? Or at least to a little shy boy like me, my hands would get all wet instantly. What's all that physical response to some little girl looking at me in a fourth grade classroom? 
I'm, I'm bearing myself and my soul and my life to you because I believe it's true of all of us. And you get a little note and you look at that little note and it's got those three words, I love you, or maybe being very creative, it was a dash, space, then four dashes, then a space and three dashes. And you had to be deep and fill it in. Do you remember? Why, why is that true? Why is that so important and so great and so moving? And this we struggle with, don't we, in our flesh? That's why it is Paul's prayer was that the Ephesians needed it and it would take the might and strengthening power of the Holy Spirit in order for them to be able to fully comprehend this. It passes knowledge. Our flesh hates. Our flesh hates the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. Our flesh loves the little girls in a fourth grade classroom. All the difference in the world. Lord, help us. I want to take you to Philippians 2, verse 1. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ. Is there any consolation in Christ? If any comfort of love. Does His love comfort you at all? If any fellowship of the Spirit. If any bowels and mercies. Should the Lord Jesus Christ affect our stomachs? Yes, it should. If there's any consolation in Christ, comfort of love, fellowship of the Spirit, bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy. Make me happy, the apostle said, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. And he goes on to describe the mind that was in Christ Jesus in verse 5, that God is now highly exalted in verse 9. Brethren, is, I'm, I'm making an appeal from the apostle to you. Is, are there any bowels and mercies? Is there any consolation? Is there any comfort of love? Is there any fellowship of the Holy Spirit in the religion of Jesus Christ? If you don't know what this verse is appealing to, then I ask you to get on your knees and the knees of your heart and conscience right now and confess your sins and beg God to show you these things. He is able to show you these things. We must all know this and we must all passionately pursue this. And Zach, I appreciate your zeal for this one point from Ephesians chapter 3 that you wanted to pray for it. It needs to be our passionate prayer and our passionate pursuit, and we shouldn't settle for anything less than being the best in this measure. It's the highest measure of a Christian to know the love of Christ and to love Him in return. It sure changed Paul's life, didn't it? They thought he was mad. They thought he was beside himself. He, As I said last night in our devotions, he was OCD, obsessive-compulsive disorder. He was totally consumed with serving the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the way we want to be. The little girl says to this man, it's so, it's so precious right now. I don't ever want this to change. And the man says, I will try not to change. And Jesus says, I cannot change. I am the same yesterday and today and forever. Is that written in the Bible for your comfort? Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 8. He cannot change. Everything you read in the Bible that was written and penned in the first century A.D. in the New Testament, that was translated and put in the English language in 1611, that is still true in 2011 because he does not change. The Bible says there isn't even a shadow of changing or turning with him. James chapter 1. What a wonderful 
statement and declaration about His character and commitment to us. The man might say, if he was older, my health is pretty good. We should have several years together. Jesus tells us in Revelation chapter 1 and Deuteronomy chapter 32, I raise my hand to heaven and swear, I live forever. We will spend eternity together because he lives forever. Reminds us again of those words I mentioned earlier of till death do us part. This noble man says, whenever you need me, dear, I will try to come home immediately and be with you. Jesus tells us in John chapter 14, and I'd like you to turn there, I will always be in you and with you. John chapter 14. John 14 verse 16, I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. This is the declaration of the Lord Jesus Christ in writing. He will never leave you nor forsake you, but better than that, He will send His Spirit to be in you and to abide with you forever. You will never be alone. He's got you before and behind. He's got you compassed about whether you're in the way or lying in your bed. Psalm 139 is totally consistent with John 14. Except in the New Testament, we we see it even more clearly, and the personal presence of God is even with us. Better. David was an exception of that dispensation. To have God with him the way that God was with David. And the, and the fellowship that David had with the Lord. It's now universal among all his children. Because of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus Christ, our Savior and Husband, ascended into heaven and gave us the gift of the Holy Ghost. When I have to be out of town, the man says, I'll leave my chauffeur with you. And he'll do everything you need. You know, that's a pretty nice statement. Let's not be too hard on the guy. You know, whenever I have to be out of town, I'll leave my chauffeur with you. John 16 and verse 7. Jesus says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And it's no chauffeur. It's the Holy Spirit of the living God sent to us to abide with us, to dwell with us, and to dwell in us. Praise His glorious name. No matter where you go, I will try to find you. You know, the world loves little movies and stuff that no matter what, I will find you. And oh, the tears flow and the, the Kleenex stock goes up. Jesus would say, No matter where you go, I am there. Psalm 139. Jeremiah 23 and 23 and 24. Do not I fill heaven and earth. Where can you go and get away from the Lord Jesus Christ? He is always there. A man might say to be kind to a wife, a man that has the ability to make this statement, you will never have to work again. Jesus tells us in Revelation 21, you will never be sick, cry, or die again. Compare that. You will never be sick, cry, or die. I want to learn about your life so that I can better understand you. 
a rich man would have to say to a poor girl. But Jesus says, I can perfectly relate to your life because I have already lived it before you. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. He can, he can be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, for he lived our life before us and endured every temptation that we endure, but without sin. A, ma- a rich man might say, I will give you your own bodyguard. Jesus tells us, I rule all principalities and powers in both worlds, and I give you my angels as your servants. Compare that. You want some poor bodyguard? Do you know what he is? He's a bodybuilder that can't compete anymore. He's a soldier that the military doesn't want anymore. Now he's a bodyguard. We have angels of heaven assigned to us. Whether it's Psalm 37.4 or it's Psalm 91 or it's Hebrews chapter 1, it tells us the angels are our servants because our husband loves us so much, he will let nothing happen to us. And though he did not take their help, When he was on trial for his life, when he could have called 12 legions of angels, he will call them on our behalf and deliver us. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that that fear him and delivereth them. I would love to hear your dreams, this man says. And as we read in Psalm 139, And as we know from other places, Jesus would say, I already know every thought and intent and desire of your heart. What a wonderful husband we have. Amen. I want to get to know you, someone might say, and we're so flattered by the words, I want to get to know you. But Psalm 139 says he knows everything about us, our down-sitting, our uprising, wherever we go, words in our tongue that don't quite make it out of our mouths, he knows them all together. Which is better, my brethren? There's no comparison. And yet stomachs turn upside down and palms sweat and our heart beats faster and our blood pressure goes up because some little girl looks at us or some little boy gives you some attention. Lord, help us. Calm us and show us. I think I'll be able to surprise and please you often, a rich man might say. And Paul wrote to us in Ephesians 3.20, That Jesus Christ is able to do exceeding abundantly above anything you can ask or think. He's saying that to you right now from the pages of Scripture through me to you. I'll pay off your father's debts and I'll give him a job. Well, that's nice. Jesus would say, I destroyed your captor with an everlasting destruction. He was a strong man that no man could deliver you from. But the stronger man that I am came and delivered you from the palace of the devil. The Bible teaches us that. I'm going to get you the best health care that I can possibly afford. And I can afford any health care that's available in the world. I will get you the best health care as you get older. Jesus says, I will give you an incorruptible body to live forever. Who needs a Blue Cross Blue Shield health plan when we're going to be changed and have glorified bodies given to us forever? There are some of you that that actually stoop to look at a company's benefit plan before you accept a job, and yet you have a hard time reading and thinking about the Lord Jesus Christ, He's going to change your body. And yet you're worried about your deductible and out-of-pocket expenses on a calendar basis. Hello? I appreciate something that was said by someone that no longer worships with us. 
Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who healeth all thy, all thy diseases and forgiveth all thine iniquities. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Psalm 103, the first three verses. I appreciate those words. I will give you the best burial in the best cemetery in the world. That's sweet. Are you touched? I will redeem your body from the power of the grave. I will call your body out of the grave so that your body can be with me forever. Not bury it in the best cemetery. I will call it forth by name and raise your body from the dead. When I die, you're going to get my assets. You'll have my estate. You're the beneficiary of my will. You'll have all that I have. But you know what? You'll have to enjoy it alone. What does Jesus Christ say? When you die, you're going to be with me and our eternal inheritance from God our Father forever in heaven. You're a joint heir with me and will enjoy every bit of it for eternity. Where do we go? What do we say? The man says, will you sign this prenuptial agreement? Jesus says, I am all yours forever and cannot deny myself. A rich and noble and famous man might say, I will invite you sometimes to accompany me at state functions as my wife. Jesus tells us, I have made you kings and priests unto my father. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 6. I have made you kings and priests to God forever. A man might say, whose last name is Johnson, do you like the last name of Johnson that you now bear? With this deep meaning, son of John? Johnson, son of John. Do you like that? Poor little girl whom I've exalted to be named the son of John. Jesus Christ died for us that we would be forever the sons of God. First John chapter 3 would say, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Forget Johnson. The sons of God. Are you happy with your husband? Thank you. I'm happy. I just wish I could preach about him right. I cannot do more than marry you. A rich man might say, are you happy with that? Jesus would say, I am marrying you, but I've also added adoption into the process. In the paperwork, there's adoption as well. You're not only my spouse, you're also my child. And Jesus will say to his father, behold, I and the children which God hath given me. A rich man might say, we're going to have our wedding dinner at the Ritz-Carlton in New York. Jesus would say, we're going to have the marriage supper of the Lamb with the host of heaven. Why do we get enamored with the Ritz in New York and other big cities around the world and with the lifestyles of the rich and famous when the richest and the most famous of all is our husband who has committed his eternal life to us, who ever lives to make intercession for us, who laid down his life to die for us, who wrote us this little love note. Why do we get distracted? Because you still have flesh attached to you that hates the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
The gospel is foolishness to our flesh. But if our spirits will rule and we will feed our spirits and God will send the power of his Holy Spirit to work with our inner man, we can believe and comprehend these things and it will change our lives until our relationship with God is such that we are filled with all his fullness. And we do not want to quit until we're there. Photographers from People Magazine in 60 Minutes are going to be at our marriage. Countless saints, countless angels, four beasts, and my father are going to be at ours. Yay, Lord! Revelation chapter 5. I'm going to wear a white tuxedo for our wedding. Jesus would say, I'm going to ride a white horse at ours. Which do you prefer? Some little $100 rental from a junk store in the local mall? You know that four wearings of a tux and it falls apart at one of these rental joints. You understand that, don't you? They buy them for 30 bucks and rent them four times for 100 each. The profit margin's very good. And it looks so, oh, so pretty. Didn't you see me the last time I was wearing some rented tux shoes? I had to put rubber bands around both of my feet and I was the pastor officiating at a wedding. The soles had fell off the stupid things. I'd only warn them about three or four times. I'm going to wear a white tux. Well, I'm going to ride a white horse at ours because I see him in Revelation chapter 19. Is he in your heart? Is he in your eyes? The way the Bible describes him. Coming to the marriage supper of the Lamb. You may feel a little intimidated by other women who will be there. A very handsome man might say to an ugly duckling, you may feel a little intimidated by the other women who will be there. Jesus would tell us, I have loved you. Women will adore and envy you. Kings and queens will be your nursing mothers, and the praise of the earth will go up for the nations that Jesus Christ has saved. Do you want to see it? How about Revelation chapter 3 and verse 9? You know I'm, I'm racing through this. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 9, Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet, and to know that I have loved thee. These are non-elect, reprobate Jews that assumed they were God's chosen people by birth. It's what the Apostle John wrote against in John 1.13 when he said, Not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God is how we're born again. And these worshipers of Satan, Strong language, it's not mine. Is it in the red writing in chapter 3 in your Bibles? Verse 9, is, it, is this the Lord Jesus Christ speaking? Amen. Behold, behold, listen to this, my brethren. Let this move your bowels. If you're, if you're afraid that the Jews might have an advantage of you in the sight of the Lord Jesus Christ, that He might love them more than you, if you poor Gentiles feel left out because you are not a part of the commonwealth of Israel, as Ephesians 2 describes, behold, Jesus tells us, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet and to know that I have loved thee. 
praise His great and glorious name. Look at Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43. Don't you ever feel intimidated, confounded, or ashamed because the Lord Jesus Christ will exalt you before the universe. Isaiah 43 and verse 4. Since thou wast precious in my sight, since thou wast precious in my sight, thou hast been honorable, and I have loved thee. Therefore will I give men for thee, and people for thy life. I will use other nations, and I will use other men, simply to purchase you. I will grind right over them in my love of you. He did that to the nation of Egypt for the Israelites. He did that to the Babylonians for the Jews when he brought Cyrus the Persian, that is the context of Isaiah 43, in to deliver his people. Look at Isaiah 49. Isaiah 49. A man, a man might have to say to an ugly duckling, you may feel a little intimidated by the other women who will be there, but our Jesus says, I have loved you. Women will adore and envy you. Isaiah 49, verse 22. Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I will lift up mine hand to the Gentiles and set up my standard to the people. And they shall bring thy sons in their arms, and thy daughters shall be carried upon their shoulders, and kings shall be thy nursing fathers, and their queens thy nursing mothers. They shall bow down to thee with their face toward the earth, and lick up the dust of thy feet, and thou shalt know that I am the Lord, for they shall not be ashamed that wait for me. You're never going to be ashamed following the Lord Jesus Christ in this world or the next. This is the way he's taken care of his people. Turn to John chapter 14. A rich man could easily say this. It's beyond our reach. But a rich man could easily say, we can build a vacation house in Hawaii. Jesus would say, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. Is there any kinder, more loving words in the entire Bible than that right there? I go to prepare a place for you. The reason I'm leaving, you apostles, here in John 14, do not let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. I'm going to prepare a place for you. Let me go. I'm going to prepare a vacation home for us, but we're not going to just use it after I retire and before I die. It's going to be ours for eternity in heaven. And listen to the personal nature of the words. If it were not so, I would have told you. I would never mislead you. My dear wife, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you. Receive you unto myself. That where I am, there ye may be also. Is that as personal as it can get? Look at those pronouns. I and you and me and myself. I want you with me. Look at Romans chapter 8. Oh, that we might comprehend the length, the height, the depth, and all the dimensions of Jesus Christ's love for us. And let it change our lives as we love Him in return. We love Him because He first loved us. 
a man at a tender moment, as this rich man and this noble man and this little ugly duckling are sharing their mutual love and lust. And as the, the moment gets so tender, he says, I hope nothing happens to our relationship. What we're both feeling right now is so sweet. I hope nothing happens to it. Here's what my Jesus says to us. I am persuaded in Romans 8.38 that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is nothing in heaven or in earth or under the earth. There is nothing past, present, or future. There is nothing by any description that can separate us from the love of our husband. I hope nothing will change. I hope nothing will happen to our relationship. Nothing can happen to our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ as measured by its eternal nature dependent upon His faithfulness and love for us. Philippians chapter 1. All these Bible verses all come back to serve us when we compare the love of Christ for us to the love of any man for any woman. Though our Lord stooped to compare Himself to the marriage relationship, He is infinitely superior to it by every measure. A month ago I preached to you till death do us part. My wife gave me a little alteration to that that I shared with you and some of you told me and wrote me that you appreciated hers more than mine and I appreciated that appreciation. Till death do us start. Isn't that sweet? My mother has something going now. My father's wife has something going. (laughs) Because death got it started. A rich man has to say, and we include it because the Catholics have taught us to do it, to say, till death do us part in our wedding ceremonies. But the truth of it is, when we die, our marriage relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ just gets started. Amen. Because I think I knew a woman once whose life verse was Philippians 1.21. And that verse says, and it's very short, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. When a man and a woman promise their love to each other and this rich man promises his love to this poor little girl, he has to qualify everything by saying, till death do us part. But with the Lord Jesus Christ, the worst event of our natural lives is to have physical death. It's the worst event, but it's the best event. It brings about gain. The apostle would say it's far better to depart out of this body and to be with the Lord. Till death do us start. Death starts our relationship with Jesus Christ. And if we, if we understood the love of Christ and how He's already defeated death for us, we would not fear death. We would look forward to that day like the Apostle did. He said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that with confidence 
He was waiting. He was walking by faith, but with confidence, he was waiting to be clothed upon with his new body. This man and this woman are very emotional and looking at each other very closely. The emotional feelings are very strong between them. The man says, Look in my eyes and see my love. The Lord Jesus Christ says, Look at my hands and look at my feet and put your hand in my side and see my love. I don't need to look into a little mucous membrane hanging in the orbital frame of your head that shows the intelligence just a little bit higher than a hound dog and say that I see love. Forgive me. I love your eyes, everybody in here. But you know what? Compared to the Lord Jesus, I just gotta, I just gotta ridicule it. Because the Lord Jesus Christ, you wanna see my love? Look at my hands and look at my feet. And in Revelation chapter 5, when he ascended into heaven, John, John saw, as it were, a lamb slain, though the man had just told him the lion of the tribe of Judah had prevailed to open the book of him that sat in the throne. But when John looked to see the lion of the tribe of Judah, he saw, as it were, a lamb slain. And then the chorus of saints and elders and angels and beasts break forth and say, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to redeem us to God by His blood out of every nation. His eyes were as a flame of fire, but His hands show the wounds of giving His life for His friends. With this ring, I thee wed. With this blood, I thee wed. Which do you prefer? For we have not been redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world for you, but was manifest in these last times to you. Do you know him, my brethren? Do you love him? Will you pursue him? Will you pray for greater knowledge of his love for you? Will you seek his face with the power of the Holy Spirit? May God bless us to that end, that we might be filled with all the fullness of his presence as we delight in the Lord Jesus Christ, the lover of our souls, our Lord and our Savior forever. May the Lord bless his word. Amen.